All right, welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez. I am the senior editor of the magazine, which is uh, a silly title because I'm silly, senior to no one here. Uh, but we are here with uh, the guy whose, whose name you may recognize, Danny Dikovich of La Sirena Cigars. Danny, say hello to the people. Hey, everybody. How you doing? There he is. All right, so we're going to get into um, a little bit about your uh, your background, how you got into the business. If I, if I understand correctly, like 2009, you guys started the company? Uh, Ariel started La Serena in 2009. I got into the cigar business about 2006. Okay, got it. All right, so, uh, so we'll talk about what you were doing before La Sirena, how you got into the cigar business at all, and also where you are now. We have a, a very special uh, cigar that I got a chance to smoke yesterday. I'm smoking La Sirena Original right now. Uh, are you smoking the anniversary? I am smoking the Sea Lion Maduro. Okay. So, Mer Lion Sea Lion Maduro. So we're going to get into all that stuff. Um, tell me a bit about what you were doing before you got into cigars. Before the idea of being in the cigar business was was in your head, what were you up to? Um, I was in a family construction business. Okay. I was a, uh, a carpenter's apprentice, a carpenter, the foreman, the boss's son, and I was in construction. Okay. And so... And I always love these stories because, it, and you being in the cigar business, you know, there's so many like weird paths that people take into cigars. How do you end up in the cigar business from there? Um, funny, ironic, and sad all at the same time. Um, I was in construction. It was a family business. My dad passed away about 14 years ago, and I had no desire to do that anymore. Before my dad died, he said, what are you going to do? I said... I don't know. He said, find something you love. If you have enough money put away and you can relax and enjoy yourself, do something you like for a change. Yeah. And I was hanging out at a local cigar place. And I like it here. I like it, and that's what I did. I bought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's so much of that, too. Like, um, I've probably mentioned it on the, on the podcast before, but um, there's, a, there's a great place in Pittsburgh, for example. Uh, and sorry, I'm blanking on the name now. Uh, you may know it, for all I know. Uh, but the, the owner of this store and lounge was the uh, the UPS driver <laughs> who used to deliver cigars to everybody else, and then he became their competition. It was cool because they all kind of like you know ended up helping him out and the whole thing. So did you end up taking over the store that you were a regular at, or did you start your own thing? No, I uh, I never took over anything. I bought into the store that okay. I was a regular at. Okay. Um, the owner is Marshall Holman and his sons Randy and Michael, who are my partners now, and I was a regular there. I just loved it and. I asked, uh, well, the truth is, back then, and we're talking 14 years ago, which is not long, but it seems like forever, they were the only cigar lounge in town, and they were only open from 8 in the morning till 6 at night, Yeah, and I saw the vision of nighttime cigar lounges, Yeah, and I wanted to open up a nighttime cigar lounge, so I approached Marshall, Marshall and I said, uh, you know, I would never want to do anything to hurt you, I don't want to go into competition with you. But I'd like to open up in the same strip mall and call it TP After Dark. I'd like you to be my partner, and I'll open from 6 when you close till 2 in the morning. Yeah. And uh, he had a better idea. He said, we already have this place. We already have the cigars. We already have the humidor. Why don't you take the downstairs and make it into a uh, beautiful you know, lounge right. and keep that open from 6 to 2 in the morning? And, you know, you could become a full-time partner here, you know, get everything that's going on, and uh, and do your night thing. And, you know, whatever you envision, incorporate into uh, the regular Tobacco Plaza. Yeah. And so that was 2006, you said? Yeah. So not really all that long ago, but it seems like a lot's happened in the cigar business since then. How I think, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening to this who are regulars at their lounge who have kind of toyed with that idea in their head of like, oh, maybe I... I got into this myself. How do you see, now that you've been in it for you know uh, a little more than a decade, um, how do you see that landscape and the challenges of starting, getting into that business as being different now than it was then? It's changed tremendously since I've been in. Um, my feeling is it's great if you're on the other side. It's really hard to open up a new cigar lounge for many reasons, and the biggest reason is the FDA, the regulations, the government. I mean, they're trying to put us out of business. Mar you know, they want to legalize marijuana and make cigars illegal. I just read this morning that uh, 
in Beverly Hills, California, you cannot sell tobacco anymore except for the three existing cigar lounges. You can't smoke. My friends in, uh, in California, gorgeous beach. You can't smoke walking outside on the beach. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. We were, we were in, uh, in Seattle recently. Uh, working on a travel store, Seattle, I, I blew my mind how restrictive that was. That uh, you know, you, you can't even uh, walk on the sidewalk smoking a cigar because if you stand in front of a doorway too long, somebody's going to come along. And, and meanwhile, you smell pot everywhere you go. Right. I was in you know? Seattle three years ago for Fourth of July weekend, and uh, it was my wife's birthday, and we're having a great time. Seattle was beautiful. The weather was great. Yeah. So I went went to a cigar lounge. You cannot smoke here. And on the same wall, we sell marijuana. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. And it's crazy. You don't get into the business, especially because you, you got into the business because you thought, okay, I, I want to do something I love. Uh, this, is, this is it. When you got into the business, you didn't expect that you were going to spend so much time thinking about the law and federal regulations and, and state and local you know, ordinances and all that. I, that's I, not what you do it for, but no. that's, that's where a lot of us have well, that's where it, That's where it is now, and it wasn't exactly. there then. And, and the funny part is, like I said, uh, Marshall, 48 years, Tobacco Plaza, Tobacco Junction before that, and whatever the names in the past 48 years Marshall had, it, he was the only game in town. And then right. all of a sudden, four cigar lounges opened within four miles of us. Yeah. Um, and now it's, uh, the landscape has changed for the worse for us. Right. But it is what it is. I mean, I love it. I always say this, is, this was my retirement. You know, if someone says you want to make a million dollars in the cigar business, start with $2 million because you're only going to lose a million. <laughs> uh, so when, when you got into the business, um, when, you, when you bought in, where were you in terms of your experience as a smoker and how adventurous you were? Because you can, if you can be a regular at a shop, you can spend all the time you want there. And there are guys that sort of stay inside of a narrow thing. But once you get into the business, you got to start smoking just about everything. What was, was that like for you in terms of developing your palate and kind of having to get into a different level as a smoker? Uh, that's an interesting story also. So Randy, Marshall's son, did a cigar event at my local Kiwanis, and I've never smoked before, and that was about 20 years ago. And um, the president of Kiwanis, my friend Marty, brought Randy in because uh, Mar- Marty's father was in insurance and smoked cigars with Marshall, and he had a great idea of doing a fundraiser where he would buy the cigars and Randy would auction them off and tell us about each cigar. And that was about the first time I ever smoked a cigar and the first cigar I ever smoked with an acid. And that's what Randy recommended because I never smoked, new beginning, everything else, which is very interesting. And a lot of people that smoke acid do go on to smoke in Connecticut's, then Oscuros, then Maduro's, and then all the way up to LFD 700, uh, you know, triple whatever. So um, it was very, very interesting how I started with the cigars. Like I said, I started with acid. And then I went to Connecticut's, and then I went up the ladder. And uh, because of the cigar, you know, I wasn't in the business yet, but uh, my local cigar store, Tobacco Plaza, was the first, my first trip was to um, Honduras. You know, they, they were doing trips, and I went to Honduras for the first time. And, you know, um, it was just amazing, you know. Yep. The farm, the leaf, the the hands, everything that goes on in the cigar business, and you know that's when I fell in love with the cigars. And we we actually had um so our art director Andy um had uh, he he grew up in Cuba, but he was never much of a cigar smoker in Cuba, um and so he never you know and even when you're a Cuban local when you're mm-hmm. when you're native you're not touring cigar factories right. and doing all the touristy thing, uh so it was relatively recently that uh, he became a citizen, got his passport. And came along with me to the DR and did some of these tours. And his feedback was the same. He's like, I'd never done this. I've been doing this magazine. I've been laying out the magazine. I've been smoking with you guys for all this time. You cannot go to the Dominican Republic or any of these cigar. In his case, it was the DR. Uh, But you can't go and see this process and not fall in love with it. Oh, 100%. I mean, I go to the DR Pro Fest every year since I missed one year because of a kid's graduation. Um, one of my daughters, not a kid. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> she's but, a kid. You know, I know she's mine. But, <laughs> and it, I, I love, I mean, I used to go to Nicaragua at least once a year. You know, I make cigars with Eric Espinosa there. 
But because of the unruliness in Nicaragua, I haven't gone in the past year and a half. Right. But DR, I try to go to once a month, except for the summer months. I love the DR. I just came back from Mexico a little while ago, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. the cigar I made in Mexico. I, I just, I love the whole process. Yeah. And once you start, you can't stop. It's it's infectious. Yeah, so you do that, and now you're sort of at another level of your, you know, uh, how strongly you feel about the business. Uh, in terms of your palate, did your palate change over the course of you smoking all this stuff? Tremendously, tremendously. Yeah. Um, again, in Honduras, Christian Aurora, my first trip, and at the time, so I'm smoking, I guess, four years, and my palate is changing and I'm learning, but I go to the former Christian and we're smoking cigars, and ask, he's asking our opinions and everything else, and I give him my opinion, and he goes, Gringo, what the hell you know? <laughs> Are you bringing that through your nose? I said, what are you talking about? You don't know how to retrohale? What's retrohale? Yeah. And he teaches me how to retrohale. So it, it, you learn a lot. My palate has changed tremendously over the past 20 years. And I, for the better, thank God. And um, I could taste different tobaccos, different countries. You know, it's, it's a learning experience. Yeah, yeah. So take me then to the point where uh, La Sirena is born. What is the what is the story there? Whose whose idea was it originally? What's your you know? Wh- how does that all play out? Interesting story. I have nothing. I had nothing to do with La Sirena really. Yeah. Um, my daughter Ariel is La Sirena. Which, if anybody's seen uh, the ads in the magazine, for example, she's usually the one who's in there. Well, uh, in the, in the beginning, in the beginning she was right. the one that was in there, and then. Uh, when Ariel got pregnant, her sister right. started doing the ads and started doing the events. That's Mariah. Uh, we call her the gypsy, free-spirited young lady. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was in the ads, and now it's basically the cigars in the ads because the cigars speak for themselves. Sure. And that's our 10th anniversary, and uh, we're doing more about the cigars than the individuals, but... Uh, believe so sorry, me, yeah, I, I interrupted you there, but yeah. about how how it all started. Right. Well, I was yeah. gonna say, believe yeah. believe me, you Ariel is La Serena, and we'll get into that right now. So, um, I own to, I own I don't own I have a piece of Tobacco Plaza, and we're doing events, and it was a uh, Nesta Miranda event, uh, and Renee Castaneda was the vice president of sales for uh, Miami Cigars. And Ariel was coming to my events and hanging out at the store with the guys. Never smoked. And just loved the camaraderie. You know, I was working nights. And she was, you know, going to, about to go to college. And she wanted, if my kids wanted to see me, they came to the store. You know, I'd be watching the Yankee game, watching the football game. So they would come to the store and hang out and whatever. Be with dad. And so she came to the event. And, and Renee Castaneda who really was the brainchild behind La Serena or behind taking Ariel into the cigar business, it started with, uh, Ariel, you don't mind the smoke? You don't mind hanging around with the men? She goes, no, I love it here. He goes, what do you do? Well, I'm in college. I'm going to grad school now in New York. Do you want to make some extra money? Of course. He said, I need a cigar model. Can you come to do events in New York City, cut and light cigars, and uh, I'll pay you. She said, sounds good. <laughs> so Renee noticed the beauty of Ariel and the fact she had a good nose. She liked the smell of cigars. Sure, yeah, yeah. And um, he hired her. And she was doing uh, cut and light cigar events for Miami Cigars, Nestor and Renee. And she was doing a multi-vendor, multi multi-vendor event Mm -hmm. at uh, Cigar Inn in Manhattan uh, run by Renee and it was they had at the time Eric Espinosa Eric and Eddie you know uh, Jaime Garcia was there with My Father's Cigars and Nesta Miranda was there so Renee asked Ariel can you get me two more girls I want a girl for each uh, manufacturer and Ariel was there and she said this cutting and lighting is uh boring me now yeah and she said i want to know about the cigars so ariel was put in charge of the nesta miranda cigars and and the floor not the floor i'm sorry um la aurora because mm-hmm. they're under the same umbrella of you know yeah the miami, cigar miami distributes cigars them. distribute them and it was just very funny so renee gave her a quick education 
she's in the humidor talking about the cigars, what she heard, what she did, and all of a sudden she sold out of all the cigars she had in front of her. And Renee said, you're good at this. He goes, would you like your own line? Would you like your own brand? I think we could do something. So Ariel, Renee, and Nestor uh, put a thing together, and they were partners. It was uh, Ariel's line and Nestor. They were 50-50 partners distributed by Miami Cigars. And we, because I went with them to uh, Nicaragua with my father's cigars, and we smoked some blends, and we worked on things. We had nothing to do with really the blending. I don't want to lie. We had nothing to do with it. Jaime did the whole blend. We picked the one we love, and now we had a cigar. But that's all we had. Nestor wanted to call it Ariel or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and Ariel said, no, nah, no. Nah. I am not a cigar. Right. People don't know who I am. I did not grow up in a Cuban family. There's no story there. You know, I don't mind selling cigars. I don't want my name, you know, as the cigar. Yeah. So now we're in uh, Club Macanudo in Manhattan with Nesta. Which, by the way, I mean, to her to her credit, you know, there's, there's a lot of egos in, in any business. Yeah. So that she sort of... That was her input right away. It was like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't need this to be about me and my personality. That's, that's a, There's a, a level of maturity there even before she was really in the business. Yes, 100%. I mean, she's down to earth, hardworking. She just, you know, she wanted to work. She wanted to make money. She wanted to do something yeah. she enjoyed, but she didn't need to be front and center. Nesta had other plans for her, but that's besides the point. Nesta's got all kinds of plans. Exactly. <laughs> so we're in Club Macanudo. Smoking and drinking and hanging out and having a good time. And it was me, Ariel, Nesta, Renee, um, George Amaratus from uh, right here from Miami. Um, George. Uh, he owns uh, the cigar store in Doral. Oh, George Valdez? George Valdez, I'm sorry. Yeah, over at uh, Sabor Havana. Yeah, Sabor Havana. And he was there and some other people were there. And then all of a sudden, everything, everything turns to Spanish. And Ariel and I like... Mm. Okay, well, let's just enjoy the cigar and the drink. Yeah. And she turns to uh, George and said, because that's who she was sitting next to, and she said, what's the Spanish word for mermaid? And he goes, la serena. <laughs> and I, I wish, uh, this is one of those times I wish this were video so people could see the la serena, the, the, all the gesturing that just happened. That was good. <laughs> and, and Ariel said, that's it. Da. That's the name of the company. Yeah. Because you have to realize Ariel, her whole life, was called the mermaid. Ariel the mermaid. Ariel's a singer. Ariel was on Broadway. Okay. Off-Broadway, to be honest. Um, and she went to, you know, Five Towns College and, and majored in theater. And she went to London and majored in theater. And she was always Ariel the mermaid. And she how, was, how did that happen? How was, she, how was she the mermaid? Okay, because when she was born, Disney came out with Ariel the, oh, the, the right. mermaid. That's the name, right, that's the name of the little mermaid, of course. Right. Yeah. Got so, it. so we always called her Mermaid. Her yeah. husband calls her Merm, you know, for sure. <laughs> it doesn't quite, I don't know. I mean, as long as she's into it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that was her nickname, the Mermaid. And that's why she said, how do you say Mermaid in Spanish? So, so it is all about Ariel, but without her being, you know, the Ariel cigar. Okay. So that's how the name came about. And again, all Ariel, she picked the name after hearing what it sounded like. And uh, we can go into the first band, which is all Ariel, large, enormous, uh, right. colorful, right? And, and there's uh, still, there's still some of that on you know in in the branding and the bands now, which well, is one of the things that sets it apart on the shelf, right? Yes, but again, that's that's Ariel. Yeah. You know, when we picked out the first blend, everyone thought she was going to go flavored or light, right? And we did not want to do that. Nesta didn't want to do it. Ariel didn't want to do it because she wanted to be taken seriously. And she, you know, started smoking cigars and got into it. And she was a serious cigar smoker, not, you know, give me a cherry uh, cigar or a vanilla cigar. Right. So that's why she went uh, medium to full bodied right away. And that was her, her and Nesta's decision of which way to go. Mm-hmm. And that's how La Serena was born. Very cool. So um, from there, one of the things that I think is interesting about about your portfolio is how many different manufacturers you're working with. Which I think sort of speaks to, you know, um, uh, 
the fact that the people behind the brand really appreciate what all these different people are doing and and you're it's sort of an adventurous portfolio yes right you're kind of going a lot of different directions with people we are in many different directions and people think we're a little crazy for doing that but being on both sides of the fence you know helping with la serena and owning you know a part of a cigar store it's we're working with some of the greatest manufacturers there are with some of the greatest tobaccos and we don't claim to be the manufacturer right we're working with great manufacturers they're they're working with us and everyone everyone in the industry has helped ariel tremendously no one is jealous about her or jealous about la serena they, they want to help they want her to do well and flourish so, I mean, yeah. the industry is great. Uh, they work together, as you can see, with the ICPCR and the, you know, try the, the fighting the FDA and everything else. It, right. it, it's a very small, close industry. Yeah. I, always, I always tell people who are kind of on the outside of the industry that the cigar business behaves a little bit like a high school cafeteria, <laughs> you know, and there's all of the dramatics that, that comes with that, but there's also the camaraderie and the, you know, I've known you for so long and, you know, we cross each other, just, you know, we're walking by each other in the hallways all day and there's some of that too, right? There's a lot of uh, people extending hands to people and uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice thing to be around uh, in your job. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. No one could do it alone. No one is bigger than the industry. Right. And and if anyone feels they are, they're not going to make it. Right. Y- you know, everyone needs help. And there's also a lot of big personalities. So in that high school cafeteria, sometimes <laughs> when there's a food fight, it's nice to be on the sidelines watching. <laughs> it's it's uh there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of color and you and it all, you know, started uh with one of the more colorful ones in Nestor. So <laughs> he's a, he's he's a good introduction to uh to the personalities of the cigar industry. I love being around that guy. I was actually with him last night. Ran yeah. into, ran into him at the uh, cigar bar last oh, nice, night. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. Um, so we were just talking about all the, you know, about the fact that you all work with so many different people. Let's kind of run through the portfolio and, and who's making what. Okay. Uh, because again, I, I think people might hear that, but the, it really is like some of the more reputable factories in the business. Yes. So, um, like I said, we started with my father's cigars with the original La Serena and three years into two years after La Serena, we made a medium bite cigar with an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper by uh, La Aurora. And we called that Merlion. Merlion, everything Ariel did or does is ocean-themed. Right. You know, that's her thing. The, you know, the mermaid, the ocean, the water. Which, the- by the way, is, an- is another, not to interrupt you, but it's one of the other things that I appreciate about, about the brand, that there is kind of a, a continuity and a, a reason to the way that you all brand these cigars. It, you know, I'm not knocking anybody, but it kind of makes more sense to me if I were marketing cigars, if I was trying to let people know, okay, this is all, they're all related. Some other brands are going in a million different directions, and if you're a casual consumer, you have no idea. But this stuff, you see it on the shelf, and you think, okay, I get it. This is all the same people. Yes. So, again, that's all Ariel. And uh, Merlion, again, Mermaid, Lion, yep. Guillermo Leone, mythical sea car- myth- mythical sea creature from Singapore. Uh, if you see the statue, which is basically the picture of the merlion, it's a half mermaid, half lion, yeah. and is a real statue in Singapore on, overlooking the water, and that's where Ariel came up with that name. Uh, just worked for her and Guillermo, yeah, merlion, yeah. and uh, it was in the water theme, fish theme thing, and. That's where she got Merlion. Yeah. And then, uh, and the reason Ariel, she was doing so well with the La Serena, but she was doing events and, you know, one cigar is not going to please every palate. So she came out with a a lighter cigar than the La Serena and that was the Merlion. Right. So that was her second brand. Great company, 115 years, La Aurora. Mm -hmm. And uh, Guillermo was great and Manny who does his who's his master blender again we don't we, we tell them what we want it to taste like we tell them you know what we're looking for but they do all the work no, you know we are not blenders we are not manufacturers right um so merlion was born 
And then Ariel's still going around, you know, working, you know, traveling 48 weeks a year, selling cigars, and she was ready for her next uh, line. And she was very close with the Casada girls, so she wanted to make a cigar with Casada, Manny Casada, great manufacturer in the Dominican Republic. And um, she was going to the DR. She actually spent a month in the factory learning how to sort, how to devein. I mean, she, she was working on the benches. Her back was killing her. Yeah. But she really, really wanted to learn more and more. And actually, in the beginning, Manny from La Aurora, when we were working on the second cigar, he was teaching her about the tasting of the leaves and everything else. So like I said, everyone helped out. Everyone was teaching all of us, because you know we were all learning at that mm-hmm. time, and uh, then what happened was Ariel was out there so much that Nestor wanted her to shine on her own, and he thought it was time for her, as Nestor and Ariel said, spread her wings, and we uh, bought out uh, Nestor's fifty percent share. And like I said, I was with Nestor last night. I my first stop when I land in Miami is I'm with Jason Wood. We are extremely close. There was nothing other than Nesta wanted Ariel to be Ariel, and he helped her go on her own. And then she was working with Casada, and we came out with Oceana, blue box. There's waves in the box with the water theme. Every cigar from Oceana is named after an ocean. Uh, the, the Las Serenas are named after. Poseidon, Sea Sprite, Trident, all mythical characters mm. of the water. So Ariel kept with the theme. Uh, she couldn't use ocean. The trademark was, wasn't allowed, but Oceana, the Spanish word for ocean, was allowed. And um, she came out with the Oceana. So that was factory number three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then we, want, uh, we were doing so well with Merlion, and it was a Connecticut rapper, but... She, she made this sea lion, which is a uh, short perfecto, uh, her favorite size. She likes smaller ring gauges, and, and actually, she also came out with some limited sizes. She came out with the Lancero, box press Lancero from La Aurora. I'm not La Aurora, I'm sorry. Eric Espinosa for yep. the La Serena line. So she picked some weird sizes. You know, that's all Ariel's doing. Sure, yeah. And those are always uh, limited runs. So when they came out with the sea lion, there was nine... Connecticut Sea Lions, Connecticut Escuro, Ecuadorian Connecticut, I'm sorry, and one Maduro. When they were playing, she said, how would this taste with Maduro wrapper? And she um, tasted it, and she goes, let's put one of those in a box. It was so good that we came out with the Merlion Maduro because people just kept saying, how can I get just the Maduro? How can I get just the Maduro? Right. So she came out with a Robusto, a Toro, and a 60 in Maduro called Merlion Maduro, purple box with white design where the merlion was a white box or cream with purple design so she just went the opposite way nine maduros and one ecuadorian connecticut in the sea lion box right so um that's how merlion maduro was born sure then we uh we work with our vice president of sales asked us to come out with a less expensive cigar you know, don't go crazy on the boxes. Don't go crazy on the bands. Bring it under $9 MSRP. And we went back to Eric in Nicaragua, and that's where Porthole was born. Again, Porthole, the, the circle in the boat where you look out the glass, you know, the window. And um, came out with three sizes. And that was just for lower MSRPs for different markets that, you know, kept it under $9. Yeah. And that's how Porthole was born. So we have uh, Porthole and La Serena through Eric. And we have Merlion, Merlion Maduro through Guillermo. We have Oceano um, with Casada, And then Ariel needed a light cigar for her portfolio. And working with uh, Placencia Factory in Honduras, came out with the La Serena LT. Yeah. So just... Different manufacturers, yeah, yeah. great tobacco, and and manufacturers that aren't known for being in kind of the same wheelhouse. Nobody thinks of like, oh, the guy, you know, the 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 La Zona smoker is also the La Aurora smoker, right? Like these are these are people who do very different things. So it kind of speaks to um, to her palate, 
and I don't know how involved you are in like the product development, which I want to get into, like what your role is and how active you've, you know, because it. I, I get this. It always looks from the outside like it's a very family thing, but there's always, you know, once you get behind the curtain, somebody's kind of driving the bus, you know, and <laughs> taking charge. Um, and maybe that's her, right? Maybe yeah, that's Ariel. Ar- yeah, yeah. Ariel is definitely the conductor yeah, of yeah. this orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, but um, we are yesterday. We smoked uh, a new thing, a new anniversary cigar, uh, and that's a whole other factory. So let's talk about that. Okay. Well, that is, I could say, that was me. Yeah. This okay. this was my baby. I blent it. I'm not the manufacturer, but I picked out every tobacco that went in that with the help from Alejandro Tarant. I went down to Mexico. I worked with Alejandro, and we did a great cigar. I'm very proud of that cigar. And let's let's and, let's pause for for just a second because I think um, even though a lot of people have smoked the Tarant's tobacco, some more casual smokers might not have heard that name. Okay, well, in 1880, <laughs> Terrance family started growing tobacco in the San Andreas Valley of Mexico. Yeah. It is one of the most sought-after leaf in the industry. Right. I mean, right now, okay, the, the, the sea lion Maduro I'm smoking has a San Andreas Maduro wrapper on it. Yep. Um, any cigar that you hear has a Mexican wrapper on it. Correct. Came from Alejandro Tarrant's family's farm. Yeah. And the rapper did it. The rapper. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that that leaf, yeah, exactly. the rapper. Exactly. I mean, when you hear Mexico leaf, San Andreas, it's Tarrant Farm. Yeah. And they started in 1880, and they have the biggest, best tobacco in Mexico. So, I and and. The reason I went to Mexico and worked with Alejandro is because I wanted to use the wrapper that I did use. Right. And I went there as a tribute to Ariel. I mean, it's her 10th anniversary in the cigar business. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't know, but I think she's the longest female-run, owned operator solo in the business. Yeah, you know, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a- of another one. I mean, there are another one who's been around longer. Right. There's women that have been in the industry probably longer sure. through the family. Um, Mrs. Fuente. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah Yanni. So, Yanni. So, uh, yeah. Right. You know, but. They said over at EPC. Right. So, but Ariel started this business herself and for 10 years it's been going and going well. And this was my tribute to my daughter for her 10th anniversary that I took all my favorite leaves and wrappers, and yeah. and I worked with Alejandro. I asked him, I needed, you know, I told him I love Modafino. Bring me some Modafino wrapper from Brazil, and he, I smoked forty different leaves of Mexican tobacco, and three of them are in this cigar. Mm-hmm. It has a ten-year-old San Andreas Negro Maduro wrapper, with which obviously he had lying around from old cigars he made that weren't used and. He didn't have enough wrapper to make a run for anybody, but for right. a limited production, he had enough t- for us to use it. Sure. Um, I have a seven-year-old Mexican 98 Corojo binder, and the filler has this ugly, delicious Mexican <laughs> leaf, uh, Matafino, Nicaraguan, and Dominican. And uh, that was just to blend it out. Uh, Mexi- the Nicaraguan was to make it stronger. The Dominican was to make it not as strong. The Mexican was to make it delicious. And, and Matafino, which is one of my favorite leaves. And just, it it worked fabulously together. Now, again, when I say I'm not the master blender, I'm not. After I smoked 60 leaves, I told him what leaves I wanted used in the cigar. And then Alejandro did his magic, made me 10 samples of the leaves I asked for in different amounts and different right. placements and everything else. And then I'm smoking samples now, waiting to find out which one was my favorite. I narrowed it from 10 to, 10 to 4, 4 to 2, and then the 2 to 1. Yeah. And uh, I'm very happy with what Alejandro came up with. It was fabulous. Yeah, we smoked it. We, like I said, we smoked it yesterday, and it's um, it, it smoked... Uh, beautifully and it, it it has that kind of signature uh san andres uh chocolatey sweetness that you want out of uh out of a mexican wrapped cigar uh 
Talk a little bit about your how well did you know the Torrents before? And I imagine working on a project with them, as with anybody, you kind of get a little closer to them. Talk about what that was like working with them, because I mean, I, I love those guys. Yes, uh, great family. Um, I was introduced to Alejandro Turan, again, Rene Castaneda. Mm-hmm. I guess my guru in the cigar world. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm not going to say he taught me everything he knows, but Rene knows one thing, what sells. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And Renee's another really nice guy. Oh. So, yeah, who, who doesn't love that guy? Right. So, if you want to, yeah, he's my brother from another mother. Yeah. I mean, Renee's the best. But uh, Renee introduced me to Alejandro. Um, it was actually Alejandro was coming to New York and he had his cigar, I think his first cigar, Tarant. Uh, I think it was uh, 1968, might have been the cigar. Okay. The year that he might have done something, I don't know. Okay. And um, he came to the store, and, you know, Renee introduced me to him, and he was selling his cigar, and he, I think it was his first line that he came out with, and we hit it off. We bought it for the store. I got a great rating in the cigar magazine, and it was selling well, and Alejandro came and did an event by me, and then did another event by me, and just to hang out with him, and... Uh, you know, he knew I was involved with La Serena and he said, Danny, I'd love to make you a cigar. And I said, well, when the time is right, I'd love to do that also. That was three years before our 10th anniversary. And then a year and a half ago is when, uh, we started, uh, discussing what we wanted to do. Yeah. And, um, the family, like I said, was great. I mean, he treated me fabulously down there. He treated me like a king. I ate and drank like there was no tomorrow. Uh, Alejandro came out with his own tequila about a year ago. Oh, and that's good. Oh, it's fabulous. Yeah. And that's so, good. you know, we, we, he put me up at a beautiful place on the water in Mexico by a pool and whatever water it was. I don't know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we're driving around and eating and drinking and smoking. And it was fabulous. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a tequila guy, but I got a bottle of that tequila too. And uh, yeah, polish that thing off. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the only bottle that I've I've never had been more responsible for finishing off a bottle than I was of tequila than I was with that. Um, so talk a bit about uh, the Mexican cigar industry, which I imagine you got to know a little bit, you know, outside of even the the Torrents. I, I think that's something that people aren't all that familiar with, and it's it's kind of interesting how that's developing, right? Because they're only now, um, and I say now like in very broad terms, over the last several years. Um, Relatively recently, it was legalized to bring outside yes. tobacco into Mexico. Okay. Which is very interesting. So that whole industry is just now kind of maturing. Right. When, when, um, when, I, when I met Alejandro, everything was Mexican leaves in the cigar. Right. The, yeah, the Mexican government wasn't allowing these factories to bring in Nicaraguan or Honduran. Right. Or whatever. So when, I, when he asked me to work with a cigar with him, I said, I can't wait to do that, but... I have visions of other tobaccos. I don't know the Mexican market other than the San Andreas uh, Maduro wrapper. I, I'm not. I wasn't that familiar. I mean, I knew Tiamo, which actually his family made. Yeah, yep. you know, forever. And my father smoked Tiamos his whole life. That was my father's cigar. So I knew of Tiamo. Did not know it was the Torrance, but I found out. Yeah, and that's an all Mexican, you know, wrapper leaf to bind a cigar. Um. When you cook, you don't want to use just salt or just right. pepper or just garlic. You want to put everything in your ingredients to make a better dish. So when the law passed, I guess about two, two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. that Mexico can bring in tobacco from other countries, that's when Alejandro called me and said, Danny, we're you know ready to do something. And Mexico is now uh, doing much better. I'm not talking about the trance. They always did great, but uh, he took me to uh, two other factories. I don't remember their names, and I was tasting other Mexican cigars with you mm-hmm. know different tobaccos. You know, he took me to the waterfalls. He took me a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a beautiful country for sure, especially but, that part of the country. Yeah, gorgeous. But uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely um, growing. You know, you'll hear more about Mexican cigars for or sure. Mexican tobacco in, in the future for sure. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, up until you know, relatively recently, there was sort of a ceiling, and so and and it'll be interesting to kind of watch that story because you know, again, and I'm kind of getting into this because some of the people who listen here are, are more casual smokers. It's not only a matter of okay, now we've got this ability to bring in the tobacco, but <clears throat> you have to have the tobacco and then process it and age it. 
and then figure out how it because it's a whole town uh, of a few cigar manufacturers that have just never had the opportunity or a good reason to figure out what to do with this stuff. Uh, and so it, it's kind it's I don't know that like anybody's really had an opportunity to see like what does that look like? It's been so long, maybe since like the turn of the century. Uh, and and now we all get to see like all right what does that look like when a cigar industry really like matures in front of us. The key word is mature. Yeah. And the best part about tobacco is maturing it. So it's like a fine wine. When you take a grape or a bottle of wine, which I know nothing about, but they say when you age it, it gets better. I do know about tobacco, and when you age tobacco. Oh, it yeah. gets much better. Yeah. So the manufacturers in Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic, and Mexico, where I've been and worked with, they could have stuff in their pylons for five years minimum, some 10. And when you go there, you're not even smelling ammonia anymore. And when you smoke a fresh young cigar and it's not aged properly, you're tasting and smelling the ammonia. Right. So what's great about the manufacturers I'm working with, and really all the manufacturers in these countries now, they they learned about maturity, and they learned it's best to age their cigars. And that's why cigars used to be a nickel. Forget about inflation. When you take something and you sit on it, it costs you money to sit on it. Of course, yeah, yeah. So if you want to smoke something that's been sit on and weighted and matured, you're going to pay for it, and it's worth it. You know, I'd rather smoke... One twenty dollars cigar than two ten dollars cigars. Sure. I mean, if you if you're in a price situation, it's it. In my opinion, it's better to smoke something better because cigars are not addicted. Addictive. You, this is an enjoyment. This is relaxation. It, it, it's just gets you mellow and relaxed, and that's what's great about hanging out at a cigar store. You're smoking and talking to people, watching sports. Doesn't make a difference what you do for a living. You have the cigar in common. And, I mean, listen, there's a $5 cigar for someone. There's a $10 cigar for someone, $15, $20, $50. You know, if you have the money and you can and want to spend it that way, enjoy that cigar. And I always tell people, you know, it's it's um, not, okay, don't think about the price. You know, whatever. Yeah, everybody's got to be a little price conscious. But... What I what I tell people is don't apply a different set of reasoning to cigars than you would to other products. How many people who are saying like, oh, I could never spend, uh, forget 20, 30, 40, 50. I could never spend $15 on a cigar. Uh, cigar's going to last you an hour and a half, two hours. How many people are uh, buying pitchers of beer through a full football game? There's no way you get out of a bar watching a football game spending less than 20, 30, 40 bucks. I always say to people... It's how you choose to spend your money. Right. Don't say I can't afford it. Say I don't. I choose not to spend my money that way. I respect that. Because you're not enjoying it enough. But exactly. if you are going to enjoy it enough, go ahead. Exactly. It's it's what works for you. Sure, sure. So uh, we talked a bit about uh, about you being a rum guy. So let's shift gears here a little bit. Okay. Uh, do you have any favorite rum pairings, uh, maybe with your portfolio? Okay. I- I'm not going to change my story since I got educated. Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. I-, I got educated yesterday by Eric. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> And he's right, but... No, but you like what you like. Right. So that, that's that, my theory on pairing is, what's your favorite cigar? What's your favorite drink? And they go well together. Okay. That's yeah, my yeah. theory. Okay. Uh, the experts out there, which I am not, tell me that you can pair a certain rum with a certain cigar and they go better together than a different rum with that cigar. They're probably right, but... Hey, but if it's not right for you, it's not right for you. Yeah, I like what I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like I, t- I take the cigar I want and the rum I want, and they go great together. All right, so, so what are you drinking then? Okay, well, my everyday rum is Zacapa 23. Okay. Uh, yeah. that, that's my go-to everyday rum. It's about $35, $40 a bottle, that's, which is not expensive in the rum world Super for, solid, for yeah. a good rum. Great value. And, um, you know, that would be my everyday rum. I have probably 12, 13 bottles in the house of that. Then when I have a chance, I buy other bottles of rum because I want to learn and taste. Yeah. And I um, I picked up this bottle of Centennial, which is a 25-year-old, 25 25-year-old rum, about $110. 
very sweet, very smooth, more of a dessert rum for me. Mm-hmm. I won't have that with dinner. I'll have it, you know, afterwards with the sure. cigar. And when I'm eating and drinking, I'll have the Zacapa, uh, Dorado, 12 and 15. I love the 21 was too dry for me. You know, I, I'm I'm into the sweeter rums, yeah, but not, uh, you know, pure sugar. But sometimes for dessert, that's not bad either. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so people in this business do a lot of traveling. Are there places, not cigar places, because uh, every time we get into that, you know, the, the answer is always like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I want to recommend X because then the guy who owns Y is going to get pissed at me. Uh, but are there like um, uh, places in any town that you look forward to going to, maybe restaurants or bars or it could be anything, pl- things that, that you've really enjoyed kind of as the little side things while you've been out on the road? I enjoy um, smoking my cigars, so anywhere okay. where they allow me to smoke sure. and eat are the places I will frequent as often as possible. So not too many of those around the country. No. Or which are the ones that come to mind? Um, Any of them, yeah. No, I, I, I would give you names if I knew them, because okay, when okay. I go to, I come in here in Florida, sure. and I go out with Terrence Riley from Argonosa, uh-huh. and he'll tell me we could smoke there and eat there. That's where we're going. I go to California, hang out with my friend Lincoln. He tells me there's only two or three places where you can actually smoke on the patio and eat. That's where you're we at. We go there. So I'm not a food snob. I'm a cigar snob. And when I say cigar snob, I just have to have one. I mean, it doesn't have to be a La it's Serena. a low bar for snob. Right, right. It, I, <laughs> I am not a La Serena snob. I am a cigar snob. Yeah. I want my cigar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you um, uh, smoked anything outside of your portfolio that, that you thought like, oh, man, this is exciting? Every know. day. Yeah, Every yeah. day. I, like I said, um, Amaforte by, by uh, oh, Placencia yeah, yeah. is one cigar of the best of the, new cigars I smoke. 17 cigar of the year here? I, if you say so. No, well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I believe you. It's one of my top cigars. Uh, Padron anniversaries, mm-hmm. 40s, 80s, 50s. You pick a number from Padron, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in love with them. Um, Argonosa is killing it right now. Terrence uh, did an amazing job promoting the company. The cigars were great before. They just weren't well known. Now he's doing a great job. Uh, Nesta Miranda came back with the selection, which I love. And he's also coming back with the Brazil uh, from years ago. And I always like that cigar. Yeah. I mean, I smoke... Everyone's cigars. Like I said, it's a close-knit family, the cigar world, and I smoke what I like from whoever makes it. Yeah. I mean, Espinosa, uh, his 601s, the Maduro, um, his new cigar that his son made for him, the uh, 6... I oh, can't even pronounce it. Uh, oh, the, the uh, La Seis Provincias. La, yeah, exactly. That's why I can't even say La Serena yeah. properly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know... You would think all these years I learned how to speak Spanish. They still get on my case. Still working on it. No, I can't work on it. I just don't <laughs> do up, it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, they're just great manufacturers, great cigars. The 1880 by Tarant, um, his, one of his limited production cigars are fabulous. I mean, every manufacturer makes a great cigar. Yeah. And the, because they're aging their tobacco. They're doing right, it right. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's all before you actually. I mean, not all of it's before you roll it, but a lot of it is before you ever roll the thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, similar question, but you're a Long Island guy. Yes. So, suppose that somebody's in town visiting you for a couple of days in Long Island. What are you doing with them? Smoking, eating, and drinking. But where at? Where okay. at? Yeah. Well, this, 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 yeah. Okay. This I can this answer. This is a softball. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we go to Tobacco Plaza. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. We, I actually, you know, Rene Castaneda was in New York for a night, and uh, he said, Danny, let's meet for a smoke. He met me at Tobacco Plaza. Uh, but my friend from California was in the city, and we went to um, not Club Macanudo, which I would have wanted to go to, but he chose, uh, oh, my Maybe God. Carnegie? Carnegie, yeah, yeah. We went to Carnegie. Yeah. Seven rums, three wines for his girlfriend. Seven rums between the two of us cost me $250. Okay. So Carnegie's a little expensive. I don't know. Seven, what would you say, seven rums? Yeah, $18 a single. Okay. Uh, and the wines were $12. I mean, not expensive, but I guess if you have 10, it adds up. Yeah, if you're, dr- if you're drinking that much in New York City, you figure you're, gonna, you're not coming out of there for a whole lot less. Yeah. But, so Carnegie is a beautiful place to eat and drink and smoke. More smoke and drink. Sure. Uh, Club Macanudo, if you want good food mm-hmm. while you're smoking, 
Club Macanudo is great. Tobacco Plaza, bring in any food you want and smoke the cigars there. We have three lounges, so okay. I do recommend that. But there's a lot of great lounges in Long Island and New York. And yeah. So if I'm, if I'm taking food to Tobacco Plaza, what's nearby that I should go pick up and bring in? Oh, we're down the block from Peter Lugas. Okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We're, we're actually on Cigar Row. Okay. Uh, Northern Boulevard has probably – I said Cigar Row. I meant Steak Row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's seven, you know, you have, uh, Lugers, you have, I, I can't even remember all the names, but they're all steakhouses on that. Yeah. And, uh, John Carney's the expert when it comes to, uh, steakhouses anywhere. Got Ivan over here. Ivan in the house. Hey, hey. What's up, Ivan? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, so, uh, Carney and LaFleur, he knows steaks. Actually, uh, we're doing an event with Carney the 22nd, a Saturday, and he's making okay. Three different types of steaks, a regular oh, nice. steak, a 21-day aged steak, and a 40-day aged steak. It's bringing three different types of wines and three different LaFleur cigars, and uh, it's going to be a very special event, 25 people only. He's doing the cooking, the pouring, and everything, and he knows steak. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, so uh, so we'll wrap up here. Do you want to just go ahead and plug like websites and social media stuff and all that, or what, what, what do you want to just drop on people before we, uh, before we turn off the mics? I'm not really into plugging. Um, okay. If you haven't tried La Serena, yep. try it. Uh, if you can't find it, go to info@lasserenacigar.com and tell us where you are, and we'll get you a store near you that carries it, or we'll ship it to you. Uh, there's a lot of great cigars out there. I feel we're one of them. The 10th anniversary is a very special cigar. It's uh, anniversary special. It's for Ariel, her 10th anniversary. But there's so many great cigars out there. All I could say is. Smoke cigars, relax, enjoy, and that's the key to life. There you go. All right. So with that, been here with Danny Dickowich. We're on the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez. You can, I'm going to shameless plug us then. If you're not going to do shameless plugs, I am. Uh, you can find episodes of the podcast at cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. Follow us on all of the social media things at Cigar Snob Mag. Uh, so that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, I think also YouTube. Um, we are on YouTube. Just look up Cigar Snob. You'll find us. Uh, and then subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast on Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and probably some other stuff I'm forgetting. All right. With that, thanks for joining us. Catch you next time.